0: When, when she asked if anybody need, still needs chocolate, how many dads out there were thinking, um, yeah, yeah, right here, right here. There's, some, there's leftovers. I've, listen, during the altar call, I'm just expecting to see full altars right over here in this corner, a bunch of men saying, I need the Lord today. Come on, somebody. Take your Bible and go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Um, we're going we're gonna to get there in just a moment. Uh, in honor of Mother's Day, I want to tell you a funny story about my mom and, um, and uh, make fun of her because that's how I show love the best is by making fun of you. Now, listen, don't make fun of me because I can dish it, but I can't take it. You will hurt my feelings, and you don't want to do that. Nobody wants to hurt my feelings, right? What? Who said that? Calm down. Calm down. So last summer, uh, I was at my mom's house in the middle of Mississippi, now, how many of you think it gets hot in East Tennessee? Well, you've never been to Mississippi in July. That's why you think that. Um, and uh, so the humidity, you know, it tops out at 100% in Tennessee, but in Mississippi, it goes up to a billion, okay? <laughs> it's so thick when you walk outside, you can do like this, and you can cut a trail for yourself through the humidity. And so I took my key, we were getting ready to go somewhere, we were gonna drive separately because you know, of our children and just where we were going. And I took my key and I remote started my vehicle. Now, how many of you have remote start on your vehicle? Raise your hand real high in the air. Now, raise your hand if you wish you had remote start on your vehicle. Come on, let's pray for those people right now. Jesus, touch them. Well, you are with me, okay? It doesn't count. And, and um, I need you to back up off my sermon, okay? I need, you, I need y'all to reset that timer in the back. I still got 45 minutes. You started that too soon. I ain't, i got 45, not 39 minutes. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Come on, y'all have lunch, you knew to make your lunch reservation for later in the day. You know how we roll here at Life House. Anyway, so I remote started my truck and my mom's standing there and she said, oh, I wish mine could do that. And in the moment, I didn't think much about it because I didn't care. Mine started and, and it was 107 outside with a billion humidity, so a billion percent humidity. So, But I got to thinking just a few seconds after that, I thought, her car is newer and nicer than mine. It has a sunroof, it has leather seats, it, it's like a, it's a nice vehicle. And I thought, that's so weird that her vehicle wouldn't have remote start. So I went where I, she hangs her keys at because that's where they've been hanging since I was, you know, four. And I look at her keychain. And I noticed that she has a little, and if you have remote start, and if you don't, but what she did, and you've seen them before, she has a little arrow in a circle. You know, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I just, okay. And I'm sure they're different on different vehicles. And I look at her and I tell her, hey, you have remote start. You've been driving around for two years in Mississippi summers with remote start on your vehicle. Now, some of the environmentalists in the room are probably like, oh, you shouldn't use that. That's just because you've never been to Mississippi in July. Okay? You need to you need to you need to get off your high horse and understand that we try not to die when we get in a car, okay? All right, you will your skin will melt off your bones if you don't get air flowing fast enough in there. And and so I said, listen, you've got remote start. She says, no, I don't. I don't, you, I don't. You know what you're talking about. And I said, you see this button right here below unlock, lock, panic, and then this other button. I said, have you ever have you ever pressed that? Have you ever noticed this button? Well, I, don't know, I don't know what that does. I said, I said, watch this. And I go, click, click, and then you can hear it right outside. See the lights flash and, and hear her Honda CRV start up. And she looks at me, and she says, oh, my gosh. <laughs> she probably said, oh, my God, but I don't want to say that right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For two years, she's been driving around in the middle of Mississippi summers with remote start on her vehicle, not knowing that she had remote start. On her vehicle. And in that moment, her life was changed (laughs) for all eternity. Now, keep that story in mind. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. This is what God's word says Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Peter is writing to the churches in Turkey, modern day Turkey, who are dealing with persecution, who are dealing with false prophets. They're dealing with false teachers. They've got people coming in saying that, you know, if you want to be a, a Christian, you first have to be a Jew. And if you want to be a Jew, all the men have to be circumcised and you can't eat bacon. And how many of you just feel like that's a bad deal right there off the bat? I mean, and, and but but honestly, it's actually a lot worse than that. There's poverty. There's situations where uh, everything they're going through. And Peter right here in 2 Peter, as he writes this letter to the, to the Christians in what's modern day Turkey, he wants to, Encourage them, and he wants to tell them everything that you think you need to do. What God has called you to do, and to be who God has called you to be, you already have it. And many of you today, I'm telling you, I feel the Lord in this message. It's Mother's Day, but I didn't. I, and we're we're having fun. We've got photo booths. You need to get your picture taken because Holly said so. Right? Where you at, Holly? That's what's up. You need you need to enjoy those chocolate uh, uh, Hershey Kisses because my wife isn't going to let me have any. Okay. And you need to enjoy one for me. And we're going we're gonna to enjoy, you're going to go out to eat later today because you better not be making mama cook, I'm telling you, right now. And most of y'all daddies, just like me, you can't cook. That's why, do you hear my middle child, Julia? How, did you know, how do you know your mom loves you? Because she cooks for me. When Kristen leaves the house, within five seconds, Julia is always ready to eat, just for the record. And she says, where's mommy? I'm hungry, and you can't do anything about it. Not exactly her words, but close enough. We're here today to have fun. We're here today to honor moms, but I'm here most of all today to tell you everything you've got or everything you need, you've got. And many of you, many of you are living a life like my mom, who had remote start in her pocket the entire time. But she was walking around sweating for no good reason because she did not know what she had. And Peter, right to these churches in Turkey, he tells them, you've got all these needs, you've got all these problems, you've got all these situations you're facing, and you might feel inadequate, you might feel weak, you might feel wore out, you might feel like you're not enough, but I'm telling you, he is enough and you have him, so therefore you have enough. So the title of my message said, I preached a message titled this about three years ago. I'm I'm retitling or I'm re-preaching it today. It's not the same message, but I'm using the title again. It's called No More, Not Enough. No More, Not Enough. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have, Lord, to dive into your word. And I pray today that as I speak, Lord, it would be you that works. That as I read from your word and as we go into your word, that it would be you that does the work that only you could do. God, within me. God, I don't have much, but I know that because I know you, I have everything I need today. And I pray that we leave this place transformed and empowered and encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. No more, not enough. I've, the, that message from 2018 wasn't that good anyway, so I wanted to borrow that title and, and, and redo it. No more, not enough. He says, I want to read this again. This is such a good passage of scripture. I encourage you. To, to allow at least verse 3 to be a, a, a verse that you commit to memory. Uh, put it in your phone. Put it in your notes out. Be, let it be one of the scriptures that you read on a daily basis. He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge. Everybody say that word, knowledge. There's a reason why so many of us don't take advantage of what we have in Christ. And the main, and the, and the main reason why is because we don't know him. We don't know him. He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And so you're like my mom walking around with that key fob in your pocket. You've got it, you've got it, but you haven't taken time to study it, to understand how it works, to know what is in your possession. He says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Now, that phrase, godly life, isn't just about living a good life. It's about living the life that God is intended for you to live. It's about living in the fullness that God has for you. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge. There's that word knowledge again. Two times in two verses is Peter pointing us to the knowledge of God, the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Many of us today, hear me, church. We struggle and we scrape and we live with a scarcity mindset because we don't know him. And I I don't mean we don't know him like we're not going to heaven when we die. But over the last few weeks, that's not the goal, right? We've talked about this. Going to heaven when I die is not all there is to it. It's about living in heaven now. It's about heaven living in me now. It's about the kingdom of heaven being made known on the kingdom of earth and, and speaking and believing those things that are not as though there were and seeing his will done on earth as it is in heaven, right? God's will for your life is not for you to just go to heaven when you die, but for you to have heaven in your heart while you're alive on earth. But we live with so much potential that goes untapped because we don't know him. We don't know, listen to me, hear my heart, we don't know how good he really is. I think if we could just grasp maybe just, maybe 10% of the truth of how good God really is, as far as Christians and as far as the church is concerned, we would never experience fear again. We wouldn't even know what anxiety was. We would be unable to relate to people going through worry and anxiety because we would have such a deep revelation of how good he is. And when you know how good he is, it doesn't matter come hell or how water, you're not going to be worried. You're not going to be afraid. You're not going to be scared because you know how good your father is. We struggle because we don't know how amazing his grace really is. We struggle because we don't understand how truly able he really is. And some of us struggle with insecurity because we don't know how loved we really are. And if there's anything that we've learned over the last couple of years, it's that when people think there's not enough of something, we act crazy. You you smell what I'm stepping in? We get weird, y'all. You know, go to Costco in April of 2020, and you just look where the toilet paper is, right? And like, there are people pulling like knives on other people to get a roll of Charmin. There was there was no toilet paper shortage, right? We know that now. There was like it was it was this idea, this mentality of something that could not go bad, right? Something that could not. You know, that wouldn't go out of date. I mean, I'm assuming, I guess it could, but it'd be, you know what I'm saying? Let's, let's not go there, okay? <laughs> Something that couldn't go out of date. And so we needed, we were worried about everything. We were worried about food. We were worried about cleaning supplies. I mean, to find a bottle of Germex anywhere, I mean, you could there was people on Amazon selling little eight ounce bottles of Germex for like a hundred bucks. And people were buying it, right? That's the real crazy part. And it's because we had this idea that there wasn't going to be enough. And so people were spending more money. They were going out shopping. They were hoarding things. People were filling up their pantries with stuff that they were never going to eat. You're not going to eat spam, right? You're not going to do that. I mean, some of you might. Some of you, you grew up on it, you might still eat it, right? You know, I, I bought a thing of Aina sausage because I thought I still liked that. But then I opened up a can and rem, rem, I was reminded very quickly that I'm not 15 years old anymore. Like, that's not good anymore. I used to think it was fine, but it's not. It's not. It smells bad. It looks bad. It's, it's slimy. I'm not all about that life anymore. Um, anyway, you know, this time, around this time last year, and I don't remember the exact details, but there was a, you know, a, a gas line or a pipeline or somewhere, I think in South Carolina, somewhere around the East Coast that was shut down due to, like, some computer virus, computer hacking situation. And there was no gas shortage, Right? But that hits the news, and everybody this side of the Mississippi River starts panicking. And, you know, they've got, you know, three-quarters tank of gas, but they decide, you know, I better go top off. I better go get some gas. And gas lines are going crazy. Gas stations are running out. And we caused, and I say we, probably not you because you're smarter than this, right? Yeah. Okay, maybe not. I mean, I went to the gas station too, I'm not going to lie. I was like, Kristen, we better go. I don't... It's a it's a it's a minute and a half drive to the church. Lord knows I can't walk that. There's too many heels. <laughs> too many heels, y'all. Not on the way here, but on the way back, I don't think I can make it. But we, we caused a gas shortage all around the, the east coast and the eastern states, not because there was a gas shortage, but because we were afraid there might be one. Because we act crazy. When we feel like there's not going to be enough of something, and I'm be real with you, my default personality is that one is good, two is better, but ten is best. Okay, yeah, like I don't run out of underwear, y'all. I'm just telling you right now, I don't. We could we could not do laundry for three weeks, but I'm thankful that I have a wonderful, as as Magnolia pointed out, wasn't it Magnolia? Yeah, that that I have a wonderful wife slash baby mama that does laundry, and literally. I have to rotate socks, underwear and undershirts because I if I didn't the ones at the bottom would like get get funky smelling, right? Because I have so many. Some of y'all think y'all you're judging me and I feel it and I need you to back up off me because you got issues and you judging my issues and I don't like it. I'm not a, I'm not okay with this. You need to back up off me, all right? Nicole, go take care of these people out there. She got this. And um and, but I just how I don't want to run out, y'all. I don't want to run out. And 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 the Lord, the Lord's working on me. Okay, I'm still a person in process, just like you. You may not have this issue, but you got issues. I know. I know you do. Some of you I know too well. But anyway, I'm learning. There's a fine line between being paranoid and being prepared, right? And when we think there's not going to be enough of something, and when we feel like, and, and some of us. It, it, that's just a mentality that we live with. We live with a not enough mentality. Brene Brown, uh, a famous author, says it like this. This is just, I'm going to read what she says. She says, For me and for many of us, our first waking thought of the day is I didn't get enough sleep. How many woke up this morning with that thought in mind? Yeah. For many of us, the first waking thought of the day is I didn't get enough sleep. The next one is I don't have enough time. You got so many things to do, right? I didn't get enough sleep, now I'm tired, and now I don't have enough time to do the things I need to do. And she says, whether that's true or not, the thought of not enough occurs to us automatically before we even think to question or examine it. We spend most of the hours and the days of our lives hearing, explaining, complaining, or worrying about what we don't have enough of. Before we even sit up in bed, before our feet even touch the floor, we we are already inadequate. We are already behind. We are already losing. We are already lacking something. And by by the time we go to bed at night, our minds are racing with a litany of what we didn't get or what we didn't get done that day. We go to sleep burdened by those thoughts and we wake up with that feeling of lack. This internal condition of scarcity, this mindset of scarcity lives at the heart of our jealousies, our greed, our prejudice, and our arguments with life. So today, we're talking about no more, not enough, and I want us to confront scarcity thinking and live in the abundant thinking that God has for his children today. Because I'm going to read it again. You guys okay with me reading the Bible again? First Peter chapter, or Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need. Say that, everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Number one about scarcity thinking, and this is going to hurt your feelings, but it hurts my feeling first. So you got to deal with it. Scarcity thinking makes you dumb. It makes you stand in line for a 24 pack of Charmin when you already got a cabinet full at the house. It makes you sit in gas lines burning a quarter of tank just to get a quarter more tank once you finally get to the pump, right? Scarcity thinking makes you buy canned goods of food that by the time you actually get to them, even the soup has already expired. And who knew that Campbell's soup could even go bad? It was bad before you even bought it. <clears throat> I'm sorry, y'all. I don't like preservatives. Forgive me. There was a legitimate study done by Princeton University that determined that excessive worry, listen to this, this is, like, this is the Bible plus science and it's good, excessive worry impairs cognitive ability, reducing mental performance by the equivalent of 13 IQ points or, or the loss of an entire night's sleep. I don't know about you, but I don't have any IQ points to spare. You feel me? I need, all, I need all I can get, okay? I need all I can get. But this is why Jesus tells us, Matthew 6, 34, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In fact, in the verse before, Jesus is reinforcing this idea. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you can't control. Instead, Pursue the kingdom. Instead, seek first the kingdom. This is what he says in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. Now, if you go back and you read Matthew chapter 6, you realize that all these things Jesus is talking about is are the essentials for life. The things, you know, he's talking about food. He's talking about clothing. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about, you know, all the things that would consume our mind when we're living our daily lives, thinking about the things that we don't have. He's saying, don't worry about those things. He says, Earlier in the chapter, he says that's what the Gentiles do. and In and, and, and Jesus' day, the Gentiles would have been referring to Greek people. But in our day, what he's really saying is that's what people who don't know God do. But you do know God. You know how good he is. You know how great his grace is. You know how generous he is. You know how loving he is. So you don't have to worry about these things. Instead, seek first his kingdom. Seek first to see the kingdom of of heaven be on earth as it is in heaven. Seek his righteousness. Seek to be found right before the Lord. Rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And and let God use you to, to promote and to further the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. To see his Will done on earth as it is in heaven. Do all that stuff. And then, and then God will give you what you need. He will take care of your necessities. I I, I would even say he'll take care of most of your wants if, if you will align your heart with his heart. Instead of letting scarcity thinking make you dumb, seek first the kingdom. Stop worrying about what you don't have and start focusing on who you know, right? Secondly, scarcity thinking leads to sin. It leads to greed, it leads to jealousy, it leads to hoarding, it leads to gluttony. That's a sin that we don't talk about in church that much, right? It leads to gluttony, it leads to selfishness. And when you don't think you have enough, you begin to see other people as competitors instead of partners. You begin to see people as the problem instead of seeing people as people that God has called you to love and to serve and to give of yourself to. You guys okay? James 3.16 tells us, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. And a lot of us today, we get on social media and we scroll, we scroll, we see all these pictures, we see what these people are doing and we think things like, oh, it must be nice. Must be nice to be able to go on vacation there. Must be nice to be able to have that car with remote start. Right? Can I just tell you? I know you don't think it, or you may not think it, but according to God's word, that's sin. And you know what sin does? It separates us from the knowledge of who God really is, it separates us from the ability to know how good He really is. You see, God doesn't tell you to not sin because he wants to keep you from things in life that you might enjoy. God tells you to not sin because he knows it creates a divide between you and him. And the best thing for your life is to be closer to him. You guys okay? Number three, scarcity thinking can cause anxiety and depression. I just decided today I'll be real practical with you, be real upfront with you. Hopefully this makes sense. Hopefully this gives you some handles to take home and to use. So number three, scarcity thinking can cause anxiety and depression. Going back to that Princeton study I read, perceived scarcity raises, raises stress levels which impact the brain and can lead to depression and anxiety. Now listen, I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a medical doctor, so take this for what it is. This is a sermon that's meant to help point you to the love of the Father, to trust in God's goodness. So I'm not telling you that all depression and anxiety is a result of this. I'm telling you that, that scarcity thinking can be a cause of depression and anxiety. You follow me? You, you know, that's my little asterisk disclaimer right there so, so that I don't, like, get sued or something. But good luck with that. You don't have much. But anyway. But I'm living the abundant life. Amen. And you can't take that from me. Come on, somebody. Whenever you feel like you don't have enough, whether we're talking about money, whether we're talking about wisdom, whether we're talking about energy, some of you think I don't have enough friends, you're not getting enough love, maybe, maybe, maybe you just feel like, man, I need some help. And, and whenever we feel like we don't have enough, the, the human inclination is to focus on what we don't have and to worry about how we're going to get it. But this, the scriptures actually point us in a completely and totally different direction. And this is what Paul says in Philippians 4, 6. he says, he says don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer, say that word, prayer, prayer. And, supp- and petition. I said supplication. Petition, it means to make your requests known to God, right? To just tell God what you need. He says, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Present your request to God. Now, I'm going to go on record here and tell you there is a lot of bad teaching about prayer in the church today. There's a lot of bad teaching about prayer going on in our minds today. Um, so so things like this, you know, we 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 think or we've heard things like if you if you want your prayers to get answered, you have to pray the right way, right? And you have to live the right way. They have to be worded the right way. Some people believe that if you don't pray in King James Elizabethan English that, that God can't hear your prayers. If it was good enough for Paul, right? It was good enough for me. It's, some of y'all. Anyway. And then if your prayers aren't answered, you think, oh, it's because I didn't pray it the right way. It's because I wasn't, I wasn't living good enough when I asked God. I'm not good enough. Sometimes we don't pray because we've created some of this like works based prayer system. But when you go back to scripture, which is our source, right? You find out that prayer is meant to be easy. It's meant to be light. It's meant to be simple. And instead of being based on a system of works, it's based on a system of grace. God is our father and we are his children. And he's a good father. He's a good dad. He didn't save us based on works, right? You can't do anything to be saved other than receive the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So what makes us think that in order for us to live saved, now it depends on my works and not on his grace. But that's what we do, right? God's grace was great enough to save me, but now I've got to work myself to death trying to be good enough to earn what he's already done for me. And, and, and when I pray, you know, I got to make sure, you know, the prayer of salvation is prayed by a sinner who has nothing to offer God. But now that I've been saved, I better make sure I've got everything in order so that when I go to God with my requests and my needs, I've got everything, I've got everything situated and I can give it to him and then God will honor my request. But can I just tell you, like, I don't know who taught you that. I don't know what, what messed up system of bad religion gave you that idea, but that's not his word. If, if it was the grace of God that saved you and it, and it was the grace of God that answered the prayer for salvation, then for every prayer you pray, it's the grace of God that answers that prayer as well. It's not based on your works. It's not based on how good you are. It's not based on how much scripture you've memorized. It's not based on you using the exact right words in the exact right way. You know, what the, the lie that I have struggled with the most in my Christian life when it comes to praying, especially, specifically praying for things for myself or for my life or for my family, things that I want, is that is that I need to pray for other people more than I pray for myself. Anybody ever felt like that? Oh, I'm just, you know, that we'll say things like, you know, I know that so many people have it so much worse than me. I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even pray about that. You know, God, I really, I'd really like to have this promotion at work. But Lord, I know so many people have it so much worse than me. I'd really wish God would heal my body, but I know there's people so much more sick than me. And we allow guilt and shame to keep us from the one who said, come to me with all of your requests, all of your needs, right? I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how selfish it may seem to you. God wants to hear you pray to Him. He wants to show up in your moment of need. He doesn't save us based on our works, He doesn't answer our prayers based on our works. He does it because He is good. He does it because, not because we're good, but because he's good. So instead of trying to pray better, how about we just abide in Christ? How about we just walk with God? How about we just be sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life and understand that even if my prayer seems selfish in my mind, according to his scripture, all he's saying is just come to me. Come to me with your needs and talk to me. Let me know your heart. Let me know your needs. He already knows them, right? We know that, right? But Jesus said he already knows your needs, but go to him anyway. Sometimes we just need to go to God like the man who had a sick son. And he went, to, he went to Jesus and he said, Will you heal my son? Or can you heal my son? And Jesus said, All things are possible to him who believes. And the man said, Lord, I do believe. But help me in my unbelief. Listen, God knows where you're at. There's nothing you can say to him that he's going to go, Wow, didn't see that coming. Nothing. Be honest with him. Be real with him. Number four, scarcity thinking. This kind of leads into that. Scarcity thinking distorts God's true identity and character. And so instead of knowing God as our loving father, scarcity thinking causes us to see him as distant and uncaring. And many of us, we struggle with seeing God as a loving father because we didn't grow up with a loving father. We may have grown up with an absent father or absent parents. We think things like God won't. You know, I've got this situation, but but God won't do anything about that. Sometimes we think things like God can't. Like we might have a need, we might know something that's going on, we might be going through something and we think, oh, this is just too big. Or or maybe we even think, oh, this is just too small. Like God's not worried about this. He's got a whole universe to run, right? i tell you the one that gets me the most though is, I believe God can do it for you, but I struggle to believe he would do it for me. I fall into that trap a lot. But can I tell you, none of that is what he says. He actually says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now, somebody in the room today just needs to receive that word right there. He cares about you. He cares about you. And, and, and the thing that is going on in your life that you wish were different or the things that you wish you could change or the things that you wish you could take back, he's not worried about that. He's worried about you. He cares about you. You, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us, and that's a past tense, right? Has given us. It's in your pocket, man, like it's on your keychain, right? He has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So let's move away from scarcity thinking that glorifies the kingdom of darkness, right? And let's move in to abundance thinking that furthers the kingdom of heaven. See, we can't do what God has called us to do if we always feel like we don't have enough. But the truth is, God has given you, and I'm just rephrasing what Peter said right here God has given you everything you need to do everything He's called you to do. Every tool that you need is at your disposal. Everything you need to say the right words is at your disposal. You need wisdom? God says, I got enough. You need money? Come on, somebody. God says, I got a cattle on a thousand hill. I got enough. God doesn't, we give our tithes, we give in our offerings, not because God needs our money, but because we need to know that we are not our source, he is. And when we give our tithes, the Bible actually says, you're just returning to him what's already his in the first place. You don't, you don't pay a tithe, you don't even give a tithe, you return a tithe, right? So when, when we do those things, we are showing God, we're showing ourselves really, I trust, I trust my good father. So let's move away from scarcity thinking and move into abundance thinking. Number one, how do we do this? We embrace God's truth and reject the enemy's lies. I know that's a compound sentence, but I didn't want to give you 15 points, so I had to put a few together. We have to embrace God's truth and reject the enemy's lies. And the enemy of our soul, he's still asking the question he asked in Genesis 3, right? Did God really say... You're facing things in your life right now and you're thinking, oh, I need you, God. And in your mind, you're hearing that voice. But did he really say you could cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you? Or is that just for Tyler? Or is that just for Joe? Is that just for Chad? Is that just for for Brian? No, it's for you too. He did really say he would provide. He would heal. He would help. He would be there. Paul says it like this in Second Corinthians one twenty: For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And I said this last week, and I, felt, I feel like it bears repeating this week. You are not an exception to the promises of God. But so many of us are walking around feeling like we're the, we're the black sheep of God's family unable to receive all he has because we're not good enough and that is a lie straight from hell you you, you're not right like i'm not good enough you're not good enough but none of it has ever been contingent upon my own goodness none of it salvation's not contingent upon my goodness and then living in the, in the life that God has called for me and designed for me and created for me, it's not dependent upon my goodness either. It's dependent upon His goodness. And just like we talked at the end of our time of worship, His goodness doesn't change because God doesn't have bad days because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But so many of us, we're waking up in the morning and we're already focusing on our inability, on our insecurity, on our, on our, on our lack, instead of focusing on the one who has it all, who has given it all, and who says, You have everything you need, and you just need to know that. You just need to walk in that. This is what Paul says in Ephesians. He said, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's another one right there. You need to go ahead and just memorize that thing. God is able to do. So what, what limits God's ability to work in your life? what you can imagine, and what you're willing to ask. It's not your intellect. It's not how much scripture you know. It's not how often you pray, how spiritual you are. It's your ability to just believe, imagine, and to ask God. So we embrace God's truth, and we reject the enemy's lies. Number two, we walk in our God-given identity and authority. This, This is kind of a recap of the last couple of weeks. I really encourage you. Go back and listen to the last two messages because this is sort of just building on top of those. Take some time and do that. Walk in your God-given identity and authority. Two weeks ago, preached a message called Know Who You Are. Now, I've told you who you are. God's word has told you who you are. You are a child of God, right? You are, you are a son. You are a daughter. You are a world changer. You are a history maker. You're an oracle of God. You're a difference maker. You were chosen. You're redeemed. You are gifted. You are anointed. You are healed. You have great faith. You are wise. You are prosperous. That's what God's word says about you. But I bet you, even as I read those things out and I say those things out, there might still be some of you dealing with a voice in your head that's telling you, it's not for you, though. Rebuke that voice. Say, t- t- Tell like Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get out of here. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Because... Sometimes you just have to make up your mind that you're going to trust the word of God over the thoughts in your head. And you're going to have to start living based on what you know to be true and not on what you think about yourself. And some of us, we struggle because we keep listening to that voice instead of speaking out loud the promises of God over our life. So when that voice starts coming and it starts telling you, oh, it's not for you, it's not for you. You tell that voice, no, 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 you need to shut your mouth. I'm a world changer. I'm a daughter of God. I'm redeemed. I'm anointed. I'm gifted. I'm wise. I may not be, you know, I might have lost those 13 points on the IQ scale a few weeks ago, but I got them back, baby. I'm living the abundant life now. I'm not living in that scarcity life. I've got everything I need because I know the one who's called me. I know the one who's redeemed me. I know the one who gave his life for me, and I don't live in that old identity of scarcity anymore. I live in the abundant life. So you know who you are now, you got to know who you or what you have. Like, know it today. Accept it. You are the body of Christ. According to the word of God, you are Jesus incarnate on planet earth. You have been given the keys to the kingdom that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And Paul tells us in Romans 5, 17 that you were created to reign in life. That you were designed from before the foundations of the world to reign in life. That you were designed to be a king and queen on planet earth. Which I know for some of us that sounds awful almost a little silly, a little childish, but that's just because you ain't been reading your Bible. That's just because you're unfamiliar with how good the Father is. So don't make fun of me until you find it out for yourself. All the authority that was given to Jesus in Matthew 28, he says, here, I give it unto you. Now go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and you have been empowered, and it listen, I'm talking to you, every single one of you, you have been empowered to make real heaven on earth, wherever you work, whatever you do during the day, whether you're a stay-at-home mom that, that cooks and cleans and helps their children in school, I'm just quoting the video up there, okay? Whether you work at a factory, whether you work at, whether you, maybe you sell stuff for a living, all those things are the methods by which God has called you to bring the kingdom to earth. Everything is about making real the kingdom of heaven on earth. You don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a preacher, you don't have to be a prophet. You just have to be somebody that says, yes, yes. Because it's not about your works. It's not about how good you are. So I wanna say this. I, you guys okay? Just a few more minutes, I'll be done. All right, cool, cool, cool. There's a lot of you in this room, maybe watching online. I've been guilty of this. We're waiting on one day when? We're waiting on the day when we get everything together, right? I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that day when, when this situation finally resolves itself. You know, I've been going through this situation, and, and this situation has been kind of holding me back. But the day's coming when this situation will be resolved, and then, then I'll be able to do and be and, and become all that God has for me. And can I just tell you from experience, Maybe when that, situa- that, that situation might get resolved one day, but, but how many of you are old enough to know that once this situation's over, there's gonna be another situation? And then once that one's over, there's gonna be another one, right? So I'm telling you right now listen, hear my heart. Stop waiting for one day when, because that day's never gonna come. Stop waiting till you get it all figured out, because I, I promise you, that day is not gonna come, not in this lifetime. Not until we see him face to face and become as he is. Right? So stop waiting on one day when and start today. Start living in the God-given identity and authority that God has called you to live in today. Stop waiting for when you get it figured out because you ain't never going to get it figured out. Stop waiting until you get it right because you'll never get it right all the time. But you know who has? His name is Jesus. And you, and you, know, you know what's really cool about Jesus he, he doesn't see us as we are. He sees us as he is. He sees us as the righteousness of God, the bride of Christ, right? So we live in that identity. We live in that authority. And then that's how God uses imperfect people in imperfect churches and imperfect communities to bring, bring heaven to earth and to bring and to show people a perfect Savior, a perfect God, a perfect Lord. So I want to encourage you today, stop listening to the lies of the enemy that wants to tell you you're not enough right now. But maybe one day, one day you'll get it figured out. One day you'll grow up. One day you'll change. One day you'll get over that habit. One day you'll be free from that addiction. One day, one day the marriage thing will be okay. One day the kids thing will be okay. One day this will be okay. Stop it. Stop it right now and understand that that day is today. That day is today. By by God's grace, not by your effort. Walk in who you are and what you have today. And lastly, for from moving from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset, start living others focused. Which seems like a hard left turn, but let me explain it for just a moment. Paul tells us in Romans 12, to be devoted to one another in love. To honor one another above ourselves. When we start living with an abundance mindset, we realize that God has called us to to live in a way that is others focused to to love, to serve, and to give of ourselves. Because scarcity, I know they're moving, but try to listen, try to listen, try to listen. Scarcity thinking makes us act like people go into Walmart trying to buy all the toilet paper and bottled water before other people can get to it. You may not be following me. Because that may not be what you're doing. But if you have a scarcity mindset, that's how you're living. You're living for yourself because you think this life is the only life worth living for. And so you are doing everything you can to make yourself more comfortable in this world because this is the world that you're focused on. But abundance thinking transforms, transforms the way you see life, the way you see everything. And instead of living in this life to make the best of this life, you begin to see this life as an investment for the life to come. Instead of being focused on yourself and instead of being focused on making yourself more comfortable, you start realizing that, that God has given me so much and, and and God only blesses me as I am willing to be a blessing. That God will, will only give to me as I am willing to give others as I have received. Right? Right? So so this is what Jesus says in John twelve, twenty five. He says, Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. But those who care nothing for this life in this world will keep it for eternity. So, so, so the first two things really focus on the way we think. But this last one, we start focusing on other people. We start, and and it's how we live it in our daily life. Abundance thinking is all about living for eternity by investing our time, talent, and treasure into things that last, into people, into the kingdom. And for many of us, that's a step of faith, right? Right? For many of us, it means that we start making time in our calendar to, to, to be available for people when they have need. For many of us, it means that we start adjusting our budget so that we can give generously to kingdom work and to situations and needs. For many of us, it means that we realize that as much as we love being part of worship and being part of church on Sunday mornings, there's a whole bunch of people back there that need us to serve in nurseries and kids' house. and there, There's a whole lot more going on than just what's happening right here. Amen? It means that we sign up for serve teams. It means that that we give generously. It means that we, we love people, that we don't just show up to get what we can get, but that we show up to be givers. Because when you live with open hands, I promise you, you will live under an open heaven. And God will bless you in ways that you can't even receive, not so you can hoard it, but so that you can be a conduit through which he uses you to build the kingdom but you can't do that and you can't be used that way if you're waking up every morning thinking about what you don't have if you're going to bed every night thinking about what you didn't get done if you're posting on Facebook about how you don't have enough and you're complaining can I tell you right now complaining is not the same as taking your request to God but some of you think it is It's not the same. Can I tell you, God doesn't bless complainers. He doesn't heal you because you hurt. And he doesn't provide for you because you have a need. He heals you because you go to him in prayer with faith, trusting not in your own abilities or your own works, but in his grace. He provides for you not because you deserve it, but because he's good. And you go to him. you guys receiving this this morning? Go ahead and stand with me. as we get ready to close I want to address a lie that many of us have believed to be true you guys ready here's the lie God won't give you more than you can handle I don't know who came up with it but it is not the Bible and it is terrible theology let's take it from a scripture where Paul actually says he says in regards to temptation right he says he says That when you are tempted, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way of escape. So even regarding temptation, he's basically saying, yeah, you might be tempted more than you can handle it, but, but he'll give you a way of escape. But he's not talking about life. It's it's just a total misappropriation of scripture. Can I just say it again? That's why you need to read your Bible. Because you need to know him. You need to know his word. It's only when you get in his word where you truly understand how good he is, how great he is, how, how gracious he is, how loving he is, and what his word for you is and the promises that he has for you. But anyway, God will absolutely give you or allow you to go through more than you can handle. 100%. In fact, I think that's how he likes to play the game most of the time. allow you to go through situations and circumstances where you don't have enough, where you're not smart enough to figure it out, where you feel hugely inadequate, right? This is so encouraging. Don't you feel encouraged now? Because it's in those situations when you realize just how unable you are, you also realize just how able He is. you don't have enough he does when 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 you feel inadequate anybody ever just felt completely inadequate to do the thing you need to do come on like just raise them all all the limbs and my fingers count my fingers too when you feel inadequate his grace is sufficient can I tell you when you don't know how like you're facing a situation in life and you think man I, I don't know what to do I don't know how Before you ever knew there was a problem, God already knew the solution. Before you even understood that the problem existed, God had gone before you and made a way where there didn't seem to be any way. So we go back to 2 Peter, and again, this is what he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So so what I so what I see when I read that a lot of times we pray it like this. We pray, God, will you do this for me? Will you will you show me? Will you make a way? Will you will you make this happen? But according to 2nd Peter here It's not just that God wants to do stuff for you. I do believe that he does want to do things for you. But I think even more than that, God wants to do stuff through you. That deserved a better amen than that. He wants to do all of this not just for you, but he wants to do it through you. So you, you have to leave scarcity thinking behind. You've got to say to yourself, no more, not enough i'm done with that i'm done with allowing my mind to convince me that i'm inadequate and instead of listening to my thoughts I'm going to speak the truth of God's Word. The truth of God's Word that says God has given me everything I need to do everything He's called me to do. That His divine power has equipped me to live a godly life. That I have received of His grace and His peace not barely, not scarcely but in abundance. And everything in life that I face no matter what it is. If it's raising my kids, if it's leading a church, if it's leading a ministry, if it's leading a business, building a business, if it's being a school teacher, if it's Running a, a factory, if it's whatever it may be, whatever it is you need, you can rest knowing that if God has put it in front of you, then He's also put it inside of you. That you are more than an overcomer. Come on, church. That if He's put it in your path, He's put it inside your heart and everything you need. For every challenge you have faced, you are facing, and will ever face, you can rest assured knowing that the one that has called you has also equipped you. That the one who has spoken to you has also empowered you, giving you everything you need to do everything he's called you to do. But you have to make the decision that I will stop listening to the lies of the enemy. that keep telling me I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough intellect. I don't have enough skill. I'm not anointed enough. I'm not gifted enough. That is straight from hell, guys. That is straight from the devil's mouth himself. You know what Jesus said about the devil? That he is the father of lies. In other words, if he's talking, he's lying. Right? If he's talking, he's lying. So I'm going to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. I'm going to stop listening to the lies that live in between my ears. And I'm going to start listening and responding and receiving the word of God, the word of truth that says everything I need. He has given it to me. For every problem I face, every difficulty I encounter, every situation that I come across, I, I, may, I may not have enough. I may not know enough. I'm, I, may, I may not be able to figure it out. But I know one who does. I know one who has. I know one who can. He's my God. He's my Father. And I know Him and He knows me. And so therefore, I don't live with a scarcity way of life. I don't live in this place of not enough. I don't, live, I don't wake up in the morning and think, oh, I didn't get enough sleep. I wake up in the morning after four hours of sleep because my kid was crying all night, and I say, God, thank you for coffee and Jesus. Come on, somebody. We have to train our mouths, we have to train our minds to start living and to start focusing on what we do have. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that we can say to ourselves, to our situations no more not enough because God you are the God of more than enough Jesus you said that the thief the enemy has come to steal to kill and to destroy but you have come that we may have life and life abundantly and so father today that you would help us to live in the abundant life that you have for us that we would say no more not enough no more No more not good enough. No more not anointed enough. No more not skilled enough, called enough. No more not enough money. No more not enough rest. No more not enough energy. No more not enough time. No more. No more because that's not your word. Your word says everything we need, we have. Not because of us, but because of you. And so God, we rest in that truth today. Lifehouse, as as the worship team leads us, maybe you've been living in a place of scarcity. Maybe you've been living in a place of not enough. But today you would say, Pastor, Jesus, I'm ready to live in the abundance that God has for me. I'm ready to train my mind to focus on the goodness of God and and not on the lack of, of what I have to offer. I'm ready to train my mouth to stop speaking out what the enemy's been telling me in my brain. And instead, I'm ready to start speaking out the truth of God's word over my life knowing that everything I need, I have because of the one who's called me, the one who's redeemed me, and the one who's given me new life, abundant life. And if that's you, I want to take some time. I want to pray for you. I want to believe God with you. If you're ready to make that decision, as the team leads us, will you step out into these aisles and come to this altar right now? We got a few more minutes. It's not even 12 o'clock yet. Come on, church. If anybody says, Pastor, I'm ready to live, to move out of scarcity thinking and to move into abundance thinking, if that's you today, these altars are open.